Today on FIFA America, we're going to be going through the U.S. Men's National Team transfers of the last week, and we have a few Americans that have headed to the Scottish Premiership. And then we're going to talk about Ricardo Pepe making his debut only a week after signing for FC Augsburg, and some other notable performances, including Pulisic getting on the score sheet again with an assist for Chelsea, and Musa started against Real Madrid. So we're going to talk about all those performances. And we can't get away from this episode without talking about the January conditioning camp. Camp Cupcake, whatever you want to call it at this point, there are players from the MLS that are in conditioning right now, getting ready for the World Cup qualifying roster that is set to be out in the next few weeks for the next round of qualifiers for the US. Before we get started, I'm your host, Jake in London, Tom in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Ryan in Kaiserslautern, Germany are joining us. So we got to see check in with them how they're doing tom what's up how are you doing okay um a little bit under the weather hoping it's not covid but uh all in all things are pretty great uh enjoying one last week before i fly back to new mexico and start the grind again for the semester awesome how about you ryan doing well uh got to learn another fun german card game this weekend while having dinner over at my german teacher's house so we uh between her, her husband her daughter and my wife, we, we finished off a bottle of gin that night and uh, played <laughs> cards till like one in the morning, man. It was it was a really good time. Nice. Uh, and then besides that, yeah, it, it does make card games more enjoyable. Uh, and then, you know, thanks to a friend of ours that brought us the bottle of gin from your neck of the woods, Jake. So that's what you guys are nice. known for. Um, and then besides that, yeah, I just pumped on uh, African Cup of Nations coming up this week. Uh, I think that's a you know underrated tournament that a lot of people don't pay enough attention to, but is, is always a super exciting tournament and is is really appealing soccer to watch because tends to be pretty open ended. Yeah, I was just watching before we recorded the Cameroon versus Burkina Faso game. I think that was the opening game. Um, definitely very open end to end stuff that we were talking yeah. about. Um, yeah, guys. I haven't been to many games. I've been to Arsenal Stadium, been to Chelsea since I've been here. But next week, I'm going to be at Queen's Park Rangers to see, hopefully, Daryl DK's introduction into the English Championship this year with West Bromwich Albion. Um, so I'll be in attendance next Saturday. So I'm really excited for that. I should be able to give you guys the, the first-hand view of how he did on the next podcast. So let's get into the transfer tracker this week. I think the biggest transfer that is now formalized is James Sands moving from NYCFC to Rangers in Scotland. Now, this move is very interesting. It's an 18-month loan with a buy option, and it seems like New York City FC have every faith in the world that James Sands will impress, be purchased by Rangers, and then hopefully sold on to another team in Europe. Guys, what do you make of this transfer for James Sands? Maybe Tom, we'll start with you. I like this move for him. I, I think he's James has had a really great last couple of years in MLS and impressed at times with the national team, but I don't think he's really ready for a top five league. The Scottish Premiership gives him a top ten league in Europe to go to, goes to one of the you know best teams in the league and is gets a chance to develop with really solid players around him and probably is going to get some Euro, European minutes at least next year uh, with rangers as they move through this year so i'm excited for him i'm interested mainly to see where he plays is he going to be a center defensive mid is he going to be developed as a center back uh it's going to be really interesting to see what they what they envision his position being and how many minutes he gets going forward yeah ryan what do you think yeah it seems like the biggest debate online right now is it is this a, a move to a higher level league you know of course that's what everybody wants to take a look at and i'll be the first to admit that you know i don't watch enough scottish premiership to really give you an educated opinion on it uh, but i will say that according to globalfootballrankings.com they currently have mls ranked as the 14th best team in or the 14th best league in the world and they have the scottish premiership as the 19th so Take of that what you will, um, but I think it's also important to take into consideration playing in championship or the Champions League qualifiers in Europa League. Um, right now, Rangers is still in the Europa League, and they'll be lined up to play against Dortmund on February 17th. And so it, it could be a short-lived spell, but you know, as a Dortmund fan, I, I put it that way. I think Rangers <laughs> fans may look at it differently. 
And agreed, kind of like Tom said, I think Sands has gotten to the level that he will get to in MLS. So I'm excited to see him at least come over and challenge himself in some European leagues. Uh, there's some interesting quotes from James Sands out of uh, one of his recent interviews as he's coming into uh, I, Ibrox, Ibrox uh, for in their stadium Ibro. and just saying that Ibro, <laughs> the X is silent. Perfect. Uh, but he's been quoted as saying, gotcha. <laughs> he's been quoted. Yeah, perfect. I'm glad you did it before the comments did. I'm sure they would have. Uh, but anyway, he's been quoted as saying that playing in front of a fan, fan base like Rangers is important. And it's a big step for me to learn how to play in front of those environments. Uh, and that it's really amazing and something that you don't get to experience much in the U.S. So just, you know, playing in a, a pressure-packed stadium like that is a different opportunity to grow. It may not be, you know, as the league being super talented, but it will present him with different challenges. So as long as he takes the next 18 months to grow in some way, shape, or form, I think it's a really solid move for him. Uh, and then also, to like you said, Tom, I'm really interested to see where he plays. Um, right now, according to FOTMOD, they have him listed as a defender, but, you know, we'll see where the, the coach really sees him positionally. Yeah, I, yeah. I think for James Sands, it's about, this move in some part is about exposure to the rest of Europe. It's much easier to get noticed at a team like Rangers or Celtic. Like if we're talking about Cameron Carter Vickers or a past American that played on Rangers, Maurice Adu. This is a, a team where you get noticed to the rest of Europe. So yes, maybe the league is a little bit worse than MLS, but you're not going to get a game like the old firm in MLS anywhere. As much as we love our American league, there is no game. I would even argue like the, that's one of the top three rivalries in the entire world is Rangers versus Celtic. And if he gets to play in an environment like that, then Panama Costa Rica, none of those environments, Mexico shouldn't scare him after those games. True. Um, but yeah, I hope for James Sands, he he gets playing time. It looks like this, he, I believe, is the quality that is almost perfect for a team like that. It's exactly what you said, Ryan. He got to the level that he could in MLS, and now this is a way for him to take that next step when he's playing the better teams. And when they're playing the worst teams, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world that he's going to get a lot of time in possession, start to, to formulate how he's going to use those passing lanes. He's already a very good passer. We saw in the Gold Cup when he was used more as a six. I think we were all impressed with his passing range for a defender. So I'm hoping for playing time here. But I guess the the one last question for James Hans Strangers is, is this a good move from the U? the USMNT perspective. I think so. That's the one thing you th Okay. Yeah. You I, take it, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, you know, getting that exposure in Europe, getting a chance to play these really competitive games is going to do nothing but help him in his MLS, in his US men's, men's national team career. He's going to get exposed to this European competition, which will be good for him to develop against, you know, more stronger, more games against higher quality opponents. Um, I, I, I just don't see that he's going to make the next step for the national team without challenging himself in Europe and without getting the chance to sort of make a name for himself and get a move away from the Scottish premiership, which I think is easier to do from Scotland than it is from NYCFC. So I think that this is going to be nothing but beneficial to him in his career. Yeah. I think the fact that he was in the gold cup roster significantly impacts whether or not this is a good move for him or not. I think Burhalter will already see him as someone that's familiar with his system and kind of knows the ins and outs of how the USMNT want to play. If this is, was somebody that wasn't getting regular minutes or hadn't been called into any USMNT camps, i.e. Cameron Carter Vickers, I, I think it's hard for someone like Cameron Carter Vickers to break in just as Greg doesn't see him as somebody that's familiar with his system. So now that he'll be getting, hopefully getting regular minutes and, you know, seeing Europa League and seeing a high level of play over in the Scottish Premiership, I think it does work out in his favor. The main thing is just going to boil down to minutes. As long as he's getting regular minutes and playing week in and week out, then I don't think it'll make too much of an impact on whether or not he's included in any USMNT camps. Now, if he goes there and is making 20, 30-minute sub-appearances, 
I think that does have a negative impact on his chances of being called up. But I don't think that's necessarily a reflection on the Scottish Premiership. It's just a reflection on what Greg wants to see from his players. Yeah. That knockout round matchup is juicy Rangers versus Dortmund. For Amer- for American fans, you now have at least two Americans on the team with Gio Reyna coming back to health, hopefully soon for Dortmund. And I think we've had this conversation before that Dortmund is probably America's team in Europe. If any team is, it's Dortmund. So uh, hopefully we have enough people rooting for both sides. Might be a juicy matchup for U.S. men's national team fans. All right, guys, let's talk about the other American that moved over to the Scottish Premiership, and that is Chris Muller from Orlando moving to Hibernian. Not too much sizzle around this, not too much uh, sparkle (laughs) on this transfer. I guess same kind of questions like Chris Muller, if anyone is on the fringe fringe of the fringes for the national team picture, is this a move that he had to make away from Orlando if he wants any chance at starting to make this roster. Yeah. So I think this is kind of the reciprocal of James Sands. This is somebody that's not been in a lot of USMNT camps and he's trying to go make his name abroad. So if his number one goal by 2022 was to make the USMNT squad, I, I don't know that this was the right move for him long term. I absolutely think it is. Um, but, you know, this is another player that had kind of reached a certain level in MLS. Uh, his best MLS season was in 2022 when he scored 10 goals in 22 or sorry, 2020, where he scored 10 goals in 22 appearances. Um, so I think if he had another season like that this coming year in MLS, then he kind of might have flirted with Greg's radar. Uh, but also we just have so much winger depth when everybody's healthy, obviously. Uh, that, you know, it's either going to take a miracle or a lot of misfortune for him to end up in the squad. We're talking about a 20, uh, 25-year-old that I don't think, you know, we're going to see massive level up in his game, even going to play abroad. So if he wanted to make the USMT squad, I personally, I think his best shot would have been to stay in MLS. Um, but what I think does deserve some discussion is kind of how Orlando handled this situation. Hopefully this is something that Orlando and other MLS clubs can learn from that there were these same type of rumors for clubs like this last year for Chris Miller. And I, Orlando didn't see a price tag that they saw was sufficient enough for them. And now here he is leaving on a free. And even if it's, you know, 800,000, a million dollars, take that money, reinvest it into your academy and then develop the next Chris Muller, and maybe you sell him for $2 million. If you wash and repeat this system, hopefully that's how this league continues to grow and continue to get an influx of money, because really right now it's slightly set up as a Ponzi scheme without the you know, significant TV money coming in. There's just not enough, enough money coming into the league right now that if they can focus on becoming a selling league, then they can you know, get to the level that they want to get to. Yeah, I agree with that. Orlando definitely mishandled this transfer. They have overvalued him based on one really good season. And I think when he first broke out at MLS's back, everyone was talking about, wow, could he really make something of himself? He made a couple of Camp Cupcake rosters and impressed there. But, you know, a 24-year-old winger, when compared to our European talented winger, is just not in the conversation. So... Orlando continues to overvalue him. They don't let him leave when he needs to. And he ends up saying, you know what, I'm going to run the contract out and just go on a free. He had let that happen this summer. And, you know, we've been pointing to this move as sort of the sort of case in point for what not to do with a player like Daryl DK also on your roster. And thankfully they made the right move and sort of accepted a lower value for DK and let him go so they could get the money they needed from him. But another thing to sort of point out about this move is I think I see it as the flip side of the James Sands move, where if we see a player like Cameron Carter-Vickers or James Sands going to Rangers or Celtic, that's something to be excited about because those are top-tier teams in Scotland. If you're thinking about the league's quality, a team like Rangers or Celtic would easily be a supporter Shield contender in MLS every single year, whereas the rest of the league would sort of struggle to find their footing and would maybe not even be playoff contenders in the league. So a team like Hibernian, who doesn't really have a shot at Europe, who's not going to be competitive against a team like Rangers or Celtic is just not a great place for U- U.S. men's national team players to develop. 
So if you see a player like Christian Ramirez who went to Aberdeen, or you see a player like Chris Mueller who goes to Hibernian, it feels like a desperation move and just a, I've done with MLS and want to try something new type of move more than a, I'm going to go and try and get on the U.S. men's national team radar move. Yeah, really good points. Let's talk about someone that has taken the MLS development route. And one of the most exciting pieces of news, we're going to put it in the transfer tracker, guys, because it fits in these. He, he signed a contract, okay? Jesus Ferreira signed a designated player contract for FC Dallas and became the first DP signed to the team that developed him, which is uh, so many firsts in MLS have happened through the academy system being sold to Europe. This is the first designated player that's signed with the team that's developed them. Personally, I'm really excited about these, this move, and I think it took Ricardo Pepe being sold for Jesus Ferreira to know that he was going to be the guy in FC Dallas's team up top, not to mention $2 million a year, designated player contract. He gets to play in his hometown. I mean, all things checkboxed. He gets playing time in a World Cup year when he's really fighting for one of those last spots in the front three. So guys, I'm really excited about this move. I'm really happy for Jesus Ferreira to have signed this contract. Ryan, what did you make of this situation with him signing that DP contract? Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, you pointed it out already. I think it's, you know, insane to think of that. This is a 21 year old making close to $2 million a year. And I think that that's something that should be noted for other young soccer players throughout the country. Like, that's that's significant amount of money compared. So if I'm a kid, say you're growing up in a situation like Chris Richards to where, you know, you're a talented athlete, you're playing multiple sports. Uh, but if you're playing something like basketball or baseball that are, as of right now, still kind of bigger sports. So there's more kids playing in the country that, you know, you're you know, you're competing against call it 50 million other people trying to break into the league. Soccer is still kind of growing and making leaps and bounds in the States. But if I could see that and say, hey, you know, even if I stay locally, I I could make some pretty good coin if I just stay here. It makes me really comfortable knowing that it's FC Dallas, too, that made this move. Uh, if this was an, another club that isn't as well known for selling on its players, I would be a little bit concerned about the length of it. Hopefully he has another one, two good years shining out in MLS. And then I think FC Dallas pulls the trigger and, you know, continues to feed the money into their system and into their academy. So, I mean, overall, sure, I would have loved to have seen him go to somewhere like Venezia, who desperately needs goals at this point, um, or even a club like RB Salzburg that's well-known for developing players and selling them on. I, I think that would have been great, but if he didn't have an offer to a team that he was comfortable with, perfectly comfortable with him staying at FC Dallas, making this type of money, continuing to develop, and then being able to move on maybe in a season or two. I'm just curious too, how do you guys feel about how he's going to be? Do you think he'll be the sole number nine? Because I think he plays well underneath a true nine. So with Pepe gone, it's interesting to see who who's going to play that position now for Dallas. I know they have Yara, but from everything I've seen, he's kind of been a bust as a DB player. Uh, he's so not good. Let our resident MLS <laughs> yeah, it, guy take that. <laughs> he's not good. Yeah, just, so, yeah. so who's it going to be? Yeah, that's, that's the question. So in my opinion – the way that I see this going is Jesus Ferreira is the nine. For me, what's exciting about that is that Paxton Pomacall, who has been playing as a left winger, left hybrid, left mid, left back, left winger, is going to be able to drop centrally into the position that Jesus Ferreira is vacating to take the nine. So now we have Ferreira up top with Pomacall playing right underneath them in sort of a two-striker combo. And that's really exciting to me because I really still am high on Pomacall and think that he could break out this year. That's also that US music to my ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Music to my ears, man. Ryan's face was all of us in that moment hearing <laughs> Paxton Pomacall linking me. up with Jesus Ferreira. <laughs> For sure, man. Love me some Paxton Pomacall. <laughs> all right. Ah. Let's round up the transfer tracker with a rumor. This one is heating up a bit, but it's Serginho Des going to Chelsea either for a loan move for the season as uh, ben, ben Chilwell, their left back, is now out until at least the World Cup. Reese James now has a hamstring injury and is expected to be out for six to eight weeks, but we've seen with multiple of our players how long that can possibly take if something goes wrong or something goes slow. 
it looks like he's not going to get any playing time in Barcelona. He was an unused substitute yesterday for, for the team. Guys, does Des need to leave Barcelona already? And if so, is Chelsea a good landing spot? Maybe Tom, we'll start with you. I find that, you know, I'm fine with Des at Barcelona. Danny Alves is 38 and he can't be around forever. Des has got the qualities that would sort of allow him to impress Xavi and make him a mainstay in that roster if he continues to stay and fight. But if he's not getting playing time right now, I really do see at least a loan is a good option for him. And if you're going to be loaned to any team in the world right now, Chelsea with their wingback play is the best spot for Sergio Des. So I am completely fine with it, especially for maybe a season, maybe or even going into the sort of into the World Cup. I'm fine with that being sort of the max length. I don't want to see him go there permanently because I don't think he plays over James and Chilwell when they're both healthy. But until Chilwell's there, you can have him on both the right and the left. I think he's a better player than Marcos Alonso. He can go and play on the right until James is healthy, switch over to the left, and continue to get minutes as he goes forward through the World Cup until Chilwell comes back. He becomes a perfect stopgap for Tuchel, fits perfectly to his system because Tuchel has taken good backs and turned them into some of the best backs in the world. So I'm excited about the move if it does happen and see it as a good place for Dest to develop and get some minutes. Do you agree, Ryan? Yeah, I, I I think Tom actually made two really good points in there. Of I, you know, Danny Alves at 38. Sure, he played this week and put an absolute dime of a cross on their first goal, and you just saw the quality that is Danny Alves. But at 38, how many minutes does he have in his legs? Uh, it would just be interesting to be in a, in a in a position in which you have to be extremely physically fit to play that. Uh, I would see Dest, even if he does stay at Barca, he, he'll he still get minutes. I'm confident in that. Uh, but I think moving to a club like Chelsea, who are currently playing a $78 million transfer left winger at left wing back, then, you know, clearly it's a situation in which they're they're desperate right now. So bringing in a quality player like Dest, I think within a week or two, he could easily work his way into their starting lineup, which would be huge. Um, playing in the Premiership, get it, or, or sorry, Premier League, um, that it would be a perfect opportunity for him to continue to grow and develop and challenge himself. Different style of league. I don't think the Premier League quite plays to all of Death's strengths the same way La Liga does. So I, I like to see that in our young them continuing to grow. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a win-win situation. I'm not going to be reactionary no matter where he ends up, if it is Chelsea or Barca, because uh, I'm confident that no matter where he ends up, that his talent is going to shine through and he's going to continue to get minutes. I feel bad for him that Barcelona was his dream move. It looked like he was ready to be the starter for a long time. Coleman loved Serginho Dest and really wanted him at the team. And I know he is American. He's Dutch. He chose America over the Netherlands. But for anyone that knows the history of Ajax and Barcelona and what it means to go between the teams, there is so much there that I think in Serginho Des heart, we can see the from the comments even that he's making about wanting to stay at Barcelona or the rumors that he doesn't want to go anywhere else. I really do understand that. Like Going from Ajax to Barcelona, when you've gone through that system, when you've learned the Cruyffian way, and to be at Barcelona at his age, possibly having the starting role, I mean, that is something that I don't blame him for not wanting to let go of that so soon. So yeah. we hope the best for Serginho Des, but I agree. Like Chelsea is really the perfect place where he'd be used a lot. He can play in the right and the left. And Tuchel is amazing at developing those wingbacks. So if Tuchel happens. helps him improve his cross which I think is the biggest deficiency in this game right now, he could be one of the best wingbacks in the world. And that's one of the big things I would be excited about seeing if he could do at Chelsea. So if he could make that move, make develop the cross a little bit better and then come back to Barcelona, I don't see how he's not the starter there. Yeah. Send those crosses into Big Rom. It's a, a big target. <laughs> now that he's right, apologized. Guys. Exactly. Hey, <laughs> that, that was handled wonderfully, by the way. To get him back on the field and everyone seems to be okay. They're like, everyone's past it. Pretty, pretty ninja stuff from Tuchel and the whole team with how they, 
how they handled that situation. Um, anyways, guys, so Ricardo Pepe sold for $20 million to FC Augsburg. A week later, he's getting his debut. He got 30 minutes to play, which was way more than I expected him to get. And he looked like he belonged. I think that's the best way to describe it. There wasn't anything crazy that happened throughout the game. He didn't scuff any shots like we've seen Josh Sargent. He didn't score a worldie. He had a nice run where he wasn't given the ball from a pass on a breakaway where he could have been one-on-one with the keeper. It's all in all, from my perspective, good debut. His team lost. You could see why they needed him on the field. And actually, once Pepe hit the field, Augsburg did look like the more dangerous team. So, guys, I want to hear what you guys had to think about the Pepe debut, but I was really happy to see him get 30 minutes of a run out. To me, that's that shows that he's done his work in training. He showed to the team that he's worthy of being on the field. What did you guys think? Yeah, so I think it's important, you know, just a lot of people jumping to conclusions after a 30-minute appearance, like, and, and not saying that specifically about you, Jake, but just USMNT Twitter, like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Um, so a quick rundown of the stats was 30 minutes, 100% of his passes completed. He completed four, uh, had one shot that was off target, yeah, and calling it a shot is is pretty generous. It was a cross that he kind of went up for and played off the side of his foot, being contested by a defender. Um, lost two duels, had one clearance, was dispossessed once. So like overall, when you look at it statistically, you kind of look at it and you're, it doesn't look like a super impressive debut, but this is the complete situation of, you know, the stats, in my opinion, not reflecting what I saw and not passing the eye test. Um, as far as the eye test goes, he made a lot of really solid runs. Jake, you kind of touched on it earlier that he was open in on goal. Uh, let's not forget that that is when Chris Richards stepped up into space and left that open a little bit. So Pepe trying to, you know, have some USMNT and USMNT violence going on out there, cheating and, and getting in beside or getting in back door behind Chris. Uh, so there was that opportunity. The only thing that I, I think was interesting was the one time he did get dispossessed. He had the ball kind of in tight spaces and he was a little sloppy with his touch. Um, but again, the kid's been there a week. Let's slow down. It's, it's nothing to be concerned about. I think it was the perfect opportunity for him just to get his feet wet, learn kind of the speed of the game. And it, when he's learning the speed of the game, you like you said, Jake, it did not seem too big for him. So, you know, when you see that, it just leaves you with nothing but promise and wanting to see, you know, next game, okay, does he come on as a starter? Do we give him another 30 minutes? Uh, I think we saw enough from this weekend to know that more minutes are definitely in Pepe's future. Yeah. What did you see, Tom? Yeah, I I was very excited to see him come on at 60. I really didn't think he would come on before 75. It shows the amount of faith they have in him that they, you know, give it. He doesn't even know his teammate's name yet. I'm sure he only knows about 10 words of German, and he's already on the field playing 30 minutes for the team in a tight match. It was only 2-1 when he came on. So I was really excited to see that they have that level of trust in him and they're giving him minutes this early. That's fantastic news for us, especially with a World Cup window coming up in, you know, just 20 days. So on the field itself, I would agree that he looked like he belonged. His movement was clearly Bundesliga quality. He could find the spaces. He was drifting where he needed to be. He was making the right runs. He didn't get a whole lot of surface because Hoffenheim's defense is just fantastic. But all in all, it was a solid first performance for him, and it gives us something to build on going forward. I do think that I would like to see him make one or two more sub-appearances before starting, just to, you know, keep getting used to the game and keep sort of building on that. Also give the midfield a chance to learn how to work with him, because yikes, they were really, really bad (laughs) during that 30-minute stretch. But yeah, it's a promising performance and shows why Pepe went for the amount of money he did. He's clearly got the quality to be a really solid Bundesliga striker. And it's going to be exciting to see what he does with it going forward. It was really hard for me to hold my biases intact of every time (laughs) that a midfielder misplaced a pass or the time when he could have been on goal and he didn't pull the trigger. I'm just saying, uh, if I wasn't American, that wouldn't have even been like a play that I cared about. But uh, I'm going to judge those Augsburg players pretty pretty heavily. <laughs> um, so we, we can't leave this game without talking about the American on the other side of the field for Hoffenheim. Started at left center back in a back three. Played really well, I thought. 
And Hoffenheim are now third in the Bundesliga. Third in the Bundesliga. They are in a Champions League spot. What what kind of season is Chris Richards having here? It seems like we don't really talk about him. He's really only entered the mind of USMNT players or or the mind of Greg, I should say, as a starter on this team in the last few months. Like, it, what are we missing with Chris Richards here? And and Ryan, I'm going to let you go because you have like a, a direct <laughs> relationship with him. Why why aren't we more excited as a fan base about him? I think actually as a fan base, we kind of are. I mean, you've been seeing the fan base clamoring for this kid for a long time. Um, you know, everyone was following every single inch of his transfer news uh, over the summer, wondering if he was going to get loaned out or if he was going to get sold somewhere. Is he going to stay at Bayern? Uh, I, th- I think a lot of the fan base has really been looking forward to this and seen the quality. But now is just the opportunity that Chris is finally getting 90 minutes week in and week out. So all he needed was the opportunity and playing under Honus is just the absolute perfect position for him. Cause he's got a coach that he's very familiar with that has a lot of faith in him. They wouldn't have been willing to, to bring him on if they weren't going to have him getting regular minutes. So it's been incredible to see his rise as a defender in the Bundesliga, because, you know, in the beginning of the season, the first couple of games when he was still with Bayern, I will personally say I was really worried that this is this going to be a season where sure you're you're under contract with a huge club, but you're not getting regular minutes. And in his short loan last year, we got just a taste of how good this kid can be. So as you're seeing him get more confident on the field, uh, in my opinion, one of the biggest areas you're seeing him really control the game at is his passing. Uh, It's it's just Another level above, I think, you know, the Miles Robinsons or Walker Zimmermans, and that's what makes him that much more important to the USMNT squad, given how Greg wants to play. So over this weekend with him playing in Augsburg, for the numbers people out there, 90 minutes, 73% pass completion, had two shots. Uh, I think he could have finished the first one. Uh, It was in a corner. He was up in the box, and I think he just rushed it a little bit, but would have been pretty cool to see. Uh, The one area that I would like to see him – continue to improve in. And I think it will with confidence It's just his aerial game a bit as a defender. He still had seven aerial duels, duels one, but I think he lost eight. Um, so still an area that a little bit of improvement can be had. Uh, I think if he continues to get regular minutes in the Bundesliga and hit get a bit more on his frame, then he's going to be unstoppable. You see him as a one to one V one defender. He's phenomenal passer, phenomenal athletically freak. Like it's, it's everything you want in a center defender. So, you know, I just think every single day we're going to see him continue to get better and better. Oh, sorry. I was saying that in, in my opinion, you know, as long as he continues to play like this and I, it would not shock me at all to see Hoffenheim pull the trigger and buy him during this next off season. And then he'll continue to be a leader of that squad. He's very well liked in the locker room. And as we've touched on too, Honus loves him. So his, his, Rise to the top is just going to continue. And in my opinion, by 2022 uh, World Cup, he is the starting left or right center back, depending on who you want to pair him with. It's not even a question. If Greg the if Greg wants to continue to flirt with Aaron Long, uh, it, I think it's just a, a massive mistake. I don't see how you can compare a defender like Aaron Long to someone like Chris Richards. He's He's just an incredible player. Yeah. Tom, I want to ask you, is at, at this very moment – is Chris Richards or Miles Robinson the better defender for the U.S. men's national team? I mean, for me, the question is not as much Chris Richards versus Miles Robinson. It's Chris Richards versus John Brooks and Walker Zimmerman. I think as a pure defender, Zimmerman's physicality and his aerial ability puts him maybe just a touch above Richards like in terms of defensive quality. But like Ryan said, if you're talking about the full, complete center back with his passing ability, his ability to get up on corners... Richards is far and away a better option than Zimmerman or Brooks right now, just for the U S men's national team. And I think it would be a mistake not to have a Richards Robinson pairing as your sort of default center back pairing for the U S right now. You pair miles Robinson's freak of nature, athletic ability. He's insane ability in the air to Richards crazy passing range. And you've got a unstoppable defensive back line for me. So right now that's the way I see it. But if Richards continues to improve and improves his aerial game, he, for me, is a locked-on starter for the U.S. as well. He's just 
if he can sort of level up that part of his game to be on Miles Robinson's level, then he's the complete center back. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly things change in the USMNT depth chart, how quickly we could have two locked on starter center backs in the next few World Cup qualifying games. All right, guys. So some other notable performances. Christian Pulisic, after scoring a worldy banger against Liverpool, comes back in, starts again in their FA Cup game against Chesterfield, has an assist. I'm putting that in quotations because <laughs> it was a short pass to Callum Hudson-Odoi, who had a really nice shot from outside the box. And then he drew a penalty and got that awarded, which Ziyech put away for Chelsea. Pulisic is now, I would call him in form. He's getting lots of playing time with Chelsea. We haven't seen a healthy Pulisic come into camp for a long time. So I just want to pose this question to you guys. What does it mean for the U.S. men's national team to have an informed Pulisic or an informed player like Pulisic come into one of these World Cup qualifying windows? Well, given the current situation that we have with winger depth and injuries and people out with COVID, it's it's kind of scary. So I, it's going to be, to me, a little bit kind of if you want to go back to like 2018, I think Pulisic is really going to carry this squad in the next window. Uh, I think he will be the spark that gets things going for us offensively. Uh, you know, the midfield at least is still very strong. We'll touch on Musa a little bit later. So, but up top, Pepe now getting minutes is huge. The right wing position is what's still kind of up for grabs for me in the next window. So I think having Pulisic in form, he walks into the locker room coming into this window and we know it's at stake. You know, Tom's talked about it a bit as far as the numbers go that nine points in this next window, which is, you know, a very, very tall task. Uh, I'm not saying that that's what it'll be, but if we do obtain that, we we're pretty much, we're very, very close. I don't want to, you know, say that we're there given everything that happened with the last qualifying tour, but it just puts us in such great shape. Uh, And, you know, a lot of people, I'm trying to find positives in the positions he's playing with Chelsea. Uh, You know, a lot of people aren't, aren't very happy with him playing as a wing back, uh, but, you know, if in a game like Canada, if we're not dominating possession, at least we'll know Christian's up to snuff on his defensive chops. Like he's, he's been, he's had plenty of opportunity to practice them in the Premier League over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, he's, he's already, we already know what we're getting out of him going forward. So if he can, you know, improve on his game defensively a little bit, try to find some positive in it, then, you know, I think it just continues to improve him overall as a player. I think for me, one of the big things I'm taking from him being a right wing back is he's getting a chance to practice getting the ball deeper and having to do something with it, which we've seen him have to do a lot for the men's national team. You see him receive this ball for Chelsea in his own half. He takes on one, two, three guys to go through and sort of make a forward run, which is a position he finds himself in a lot for the national team. So it's a good thing to get experience with and practice with. And I'm glad he's getting that time to practice it, especially considering he has never once played with the MMA midfield, and over his last six matches, only one of those three has been healthy at a time. So we have never seen him with a competent midfield. He's mainly playing with Legette Acosta with a midfield that's having a hard time progressing the ball. He's having to drop a little bit deeper. If we have the full MMA midfield, and we are, fingers crossed, going to have that this window, he can play a little bit higher up. He's in form. He's scoring goals. He doesn't have to drop as deep the sky's the limit for him. It's going to be fantastic to watch and it should give unlock his potential a lot more. And we should see more of the old Christian Pulisic back for the U S men's national team. It is crazy how many injuries we've had to sustain and live through as a fan base, never seeing our true potential, our best 11 on the pitch. So hopefully we get to see that in March. It does look like Gio Reyna is still going to be coming back to fitness and form going into this next World Cup qualifying window. You mentioned the MMA midfield, so let's talk about the one last performance that we had over the weekend that's notable for us. Yunus Musa started a game for Valencia. Not only did he start <laughs> any game, it was a game against Real Madrid at Real Madrid. Musa played for the majority of the game, got subbed out in, I think, the 72nd minute, something like that. He had, I thought, what looked like a good first half, but he was directly at fault for Real Madrid's third goal where he gave the ball away. So 
to talk about this, we are also going to bring in Manny, who has been on the show before. Welcome, Manny. How's everything going? Everything's going great. How's it, how's it going, guys? We're doing well. Doing well. Good, man. Throw it out, Thank you. We're just talking about Yunus uh, Musa now, who started against Real Madrid. Did you get to watch the game, Manny? I did for a little bit. I did. Nice. All right. So subbed off directly at fault for the third goal for Real Madrid, but I thought overall good learning experience for him, and at least he got some playing time in the league instead of in the cup game. So maybe Manny, since you just came on, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. What did you see from Yunus Musa out of the time that you watched? Um, I think you 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 saw the normal things that you um that you that you see from him. I think you you see the um the dribbling obviously that to be to be able to um get away from your marker. I mean, those are just things that are that just come natural to him. Um and so like you saw that um you see you obviously see the athleticism um other than that i, I mean I, I, you know he's he's what he's 19 and so you know he's going to you know it's going to take some time for him to develop the other parts of his game but I, I i was encouraged by what i saw so yeah do you think this performance means more playing time for him personally i do um you know i sure i think the reactions to his performance have been a bit harsh as you noted on jake you know he he was at fault for the third goal but i think that's that's what you get a little bit with musa he is willing to take players on and we praise him all the time when he beats players and drives up the field and creates advantages for us because when he gets by his defender all of a sudden we have the numerical advantage so there's going to be time to time when he does get dispossessed and that's time when we need, you know, when he has someone like a Tyler Adams behind him, it's, we're so lucky to have that. So therefore, as a USMNT player, Musa can afford to be a little bit more risky and continue to create those advantages for us. Um, so as Manny touched on, I think we did see a lot of what we expect to see, his ability to turn, ability to beat players one-on-one. He's so strong on the ball, too. There was a lot of times where, you know, he was in physical battles with players, and he tends to come away with the ball more often than not. So I love to see that from him. I don't think he got enough credit either for his defensive work rate either in that game. There was a handful of times in which he's busting his tail back. He ended up getting a yellow in the game, but, you know, that's that's him breaking up a potential scoring opportunity for Real Madrid. So I like to see that from him. Um, I still would like to see him improve a little bit in the final third with vision and passing, but I still think he's crucial to our midfield to be able to progress the ball forward. And again, we can do that and have him be risky with a player like Tyler behind him. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that we we saw Musa do the Musa things. It's going to be hard for him to get playing time at his natural position still, just because Valencia's center mids have probably been the strength of their team this year. But the more we see him get chance to play that shows the manager trusts him. He's going to find his way onto the field and he's going to continue to get minutes, which is really what we need from him. We know that he's going to come into camp for the U S and play as a center mid, but if he's getting chances to play on the right, he was sort of up top almost for some parts of this game. He's going to get chances to impress and, you know, continue to build fitness, continue to build more comfort playing with higher quality squads. And that's really what we want to see from him. So, as long as he's on the field for me, I'm really excited to see how he develops and where he goes for the U.S. men's national team and for Valencia, because eventually he's going to pass up those center mids and he's going to become a starter somewhere. Yep. Manny, we're so glad you joined us for the most exciting conversation <laughs> that we were going to have tonight, and that is about the January conditioning camp and the roster there. So really what we want to focus on, though, is the people that are relevant. Who do we need to be thinking about that? might make or have a chance to make the World Cup qualifying roster. Tom, I kind of want to start with you as the resident MLS expert here. Like who, what, okay, maybe who should we be thinking about or maybe what positions should we be thinking about when looking at this January conditioning camp and and who can possibly make this World Cup qualifying roster? I think we should look at two specific positions where I feel like we have a need from our European contingent right now as being the ones to really focus on this for this from this camp, I guess we should say. So right now we have Gio Reyna out 
as a right winger, which is I assume where Burhalter is going to want to play him in this next window and building fitness still, still not up to snuff. We have Nicholas Giacchini, who's maybe getting 15 minutes every match or two from Montpellier. We have Matthew Hobby, who just made his first appearance in three months. He only got 15 minutes for Mallorca. We see Conrad De La Fuente, who is occasionally getting some minutes and struggling to really find much of anything in his minutes. He did have a really nice dribble when he played for uh, Marseille this weekend. In general, though, our right wing depth in Europe is shot. We really don't. And Tim Weah is out injured as well. So we're going to have fitness concerns about most of our European right wingers. We only really have two healthy wingers in Europe right now, and they are Brendan Aronson and Christian Pulisic. So players like Jordan Morris and Paul Areola, as much as we don't like Paul Areola and you know we would rather see him drop from the squad, I think we're going to need to rely on players like him and Morris for this window if we want to be competitive and we want to win these matches. Just because they are healthy, they're going to get opportunities to be in camp and train for a few weeks before coming in. And I'm a little bit worried about some of our depth at that position right now. I also think that the center back position is one we should focus on for this window as well. Just because when we watch that December game, basically the only position where we couldn't criticize were the center backs because the center backs were, you know, solid. It didn't seem like the drop in form from the rest of the squad was affecting them from having had such a long layover. We know that Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson are both pretty quality defenders. So I think that those would also be good players to look at bringing in and, you know, seeing them show out this window as well. Manny, do you agree with that sentiment that we need to be looking at the right wingers on this roster? Yeah, um, I think that's the just just like Tom said, I think that's where we're kind of like shot at right now with, you know, due to injuries and, you know, just not having an answer there. Right. In, in my opinion, you know, when when everybody's healthy, you would think, you know, Geo is the is going to be the starter at right wing and, and he cuts in and, and does what he does. But um, with, you know, with the, like I said, with injuries and everything right now, we're, we're kind of struggling for an answer right now. So um, you you think you put Aaron, you would think you would put Aaronson right there if, if uh, with with all the, the options right now. But even with that, you still need depth. And at this point, you know, you, you kind of look to the MLS players at this point. Um, and so, you know, the combination of Rodon, um, Morris, Ariola, um, you know, depending on, I mean, no matter how you feel about them, they're going to, they're going to play a part in this. So, yeah, that, that's just where I'm at with it. Basically buckle up. I guess like, are there any other names that we should be thinking of? Like Aaron Long for me is a name that could continue to be relevant. And it just really depends on where Greg sees him in the step chart. But I mean, before his injury, this season in MLS, he was at times captaining the team. Like, I know we just talked about how good our center back core could be with Chris Richards, and Miles Robinson, but does Aaron Long still have a part to play, even with Walker Zimmerman and everyone else on the depth chart? I think right now, because you, I think that's probably the most important position um, right now, because you you want stability in the back, and we don't want to be giving up goals due the due to rustiness or you know um, what is it. Uh, just uh chemistry yeah there we go chemistry so aaron long has has not played uh in a in a competitive match in how long over over a year yeah, yeah. Over a year. so I, i'm glad that he's getting back into the fold but i wouldn't necessarily throw him out here in probably one of the most crucial windows uh, of this campaign um will he play a, will he could he possibly play a part uh, later down the year, maybe possibly, who knows, you know, it's, it's still a long year. Um, you know, it's the beginning of the year and, and we have a long year um, ahead of us. But as of right now, I, I just think that we have, you know, center halves that are, are playing that are actually getting time and playing. And so I would rather, you know, see what they have before I, you know, I would venture to see what Aaron Long has right now, but that's not to say that Aaron Long 
you know, can't bounce back and, and, and be, you know, a crucial part of this, this team just as of right now. He hasn't played a competitive match. I don't think you can really expect much from him at, at this point in the moment. Yes. Yeah. Now, Ryan, you were trying to veto this entire topic from our talk track to <laughs> because it was so irrelevant. It was such a, a boring thing to be talking about this this January conditioning pre-World Cup qualifying camp. Like, what do you about it is just saying we don't even need to talk about this? So in my opinion, I mean, there's some known commodities from this roster that we already know have a place within the USMNT. And that's going to be Zimmerman, Robinson, and Acosta. The one player from this camp that I am excited to see potentially crack the roster, uh, and he only had a few minutes towards the end of the season for Seattle, is Jordan Morris. Uh, you know, I, he is still kind of coming back from the ACL injury. So, but he's always been a really exciting player to watch, not necessarily, you know, great as tucking inside, but you know, if we want to play with Greg's verticality, then that definitely fits Jordan Morris's style of play. Uh, you know, Tom, I think touched on though, a couple of players that I would love to see get called in, which is Giochini and Conrad De La Fuente. Uh, I think, like Conrad is right now he's Pulisic light, but he's still such a young kid. He's so dangerous on the ball. So I think he could definitely come in and make a difference. And if we're talking about players conditioning, that seems to be a lot of the concern from some of these MLS guys, Conrad and Gio Akini have been at least training full time with their squads for weeks. These guys can give you, if, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, any sort of injuries happen, these guys can come in and give you a solid 70, 80 minutes and not be worried about it. So I think that's something that needs to be taken into consideration when we're talking about winger depth. In my opinion, those are the, I would love to see Pulisic, uh, Aronson, De La Fuente, and Gio Kini, and with uh, Morris kind of pushing, seeing if he, can, if he can break into that roster. Um, as far as the center backs go, We've already talked about it enough of Zimmerman and Robinson. Those guys are kind of locked in. Really great to see tonight. Um, Matt Miazga, though, start to get some minutes, and he got the start tonight for Alaves. Uh, I just, you know, watching him tonight, I forgot how much I love watching Matt Miazga play. <laughs> First, like, his shithousery level is expert level. Uh, you know, he's already getting into it a little bit on one of the first corners for Alaves. And, you know, as far as an emergency defender – I think he, I think he's great. He has lapses in concentration, um, but hopefully, given the situation that he's in with getting benched at Alaves, he knows that when he does get opportunities like he did tonight, he's got to be dialed in for ninety minutes. So again, we're talking about conditioning. We're talking about places we need depth. We're not talking about starters. So if we're talking mm -hmm. about conditioning and depth, there's nobody on this roster that excites me like that. So they're not like. I saw a bunch of people overreacting of why didn't player X get called in or player Y who gives a shit. Like this is just a conditioning <laughs> who give it's just a conditioning roster for like four guys that we know that we're going to need. The other guys are, you know, let's see if they could be something someday. But if I'm really focused on just the January window, and if we're talking about just the January window, there's three, possibly four guys from this roster that I think we could count on to make an impact. This I think this strikingly show Ryan. <laughs> How dare I think you? we got to talk about strikers, though. <laughs> who gives? Who gives a who? <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to talk about strikers, though. For at least, given Josh Sargent playing horribly again today for Norwich and getting an opportunity to play at striker and not doing anything with it, we PFOC hasn't played a match in a month and won't play again until this window. Pepe's getting a few minutes here and there. DK still hasn't debuted yet. Jesus Ferreira and Giassi's artists have to be in the mix, right? I mean, Ferreira, true. I, I can see that. But again, we're talking about depth pieces. And so from any of these guys, if we can count on 20 minutes for them, then, then sure, that makes an impact. But I think we're going to see Pepe as strongly our number nine. I think as we're in two weeks, I think we could be singing a very different song. When it comes to Daryl DK, hopefully he, you know, makes his appearance when Jake gets a chance to go see him and does nothing but continue to be a starter for West Brom. So in two weeks, we're looking at a match fit Daryl DK. We have Pepe getting minutes in the Bundesliga and, you know, Greg has gone into previous windows with only two forwards. 
So if that's if that's kind of how Greg wants to play this, for me, those would be the two guys that that I'd like to see in there. Yeah. All right. So before and we also get to too, last actually, word. actually, if I may, one quick thing. Back. You know, yeah, <laughs> you uh, may. You know, I I wa- I did want th- I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I watched I watched I watched the Norwich match today, and in the first five minutes, Sargent could have had an assist easily, but I don't know who the Norwich. Did, uh, player was in the center of the 18 swing and a miss like and it was he was all alone it was really disheartening to see and you could see there were many players on that Norwich roster that just were absolutely terrible there was one specific moment where Josh did get the box get the ball in the 18 and he only had one defender in front of him and he did not do well with it he spoiled the opportunity but overall I've seen a lot of reactions today continuing to crap on Josh Sargent. And I just, I'm going to go, I will be, you know, the last one on the Josh Sargent ship as it sinks. But <laughs> right now I'm, I'm still not ready to get off. Like I said last week, I'm just waiting for him to impress me again. Uh, I'm not going to spend my energy and effort trying Agreed. to hope Agreed. for anything to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, do you have any thoughts on Mihailovic since we're on this right now? He's called in. It's- it's really tough for me to like, if there's any name on this roster to get excited about, I would say that it's Mihailovic, but (laughs) I know that like, I know he's just not familiar with Greg. I know there's such a small chance of actually seeing him on the world cup qualifying roster that like, again, it's almost the same conversation as Sergeant actually like, (laughs) Should I get my hopes up? Should I like spend my time hoping that this is going to happen? If I know there's a small chance of it, like if he does get onto the roster or if he does get any playing time, that's great. I'll be very excited. I think he can bring something that isn't necessarily here with our team that actually, if we think about players like maybe Richie Ledesma or Alex Mendez, Mihailovic is kind of that caliber of player where like he can pick out a pass that takes out two or three players on the opposing team and finds a player in space for the U S where we don't really have like a creative 10 or a creative winger, even like the wingers that we have that are great are players that are going to take people on or cut inside and try and find danger there. Um, So I feel like Mihailovic does do something a little bit different and can bring something to the team. But to your question, like I'm, I'm just not going to get my hopes up because I know he's, very far away from the 23 that would be called in for the world cup qualifying window. That's fair. Yeah. All right, guys. So we thought it would be fun if we had some fan questions, a mailbag, if you will, of questions that we would answer for you guys. And I do want to call out two quick discords if I can. So the first we got the fan questions from the FIFA America discord. So if you guys do want to join, we're talking about USMNT 24 seven The Discord link is down below in the description and probably the pinned comment. And then because Manny is here and because he is the reason and that Discord is the reason why many of us have come together and met each other, I do want to shout out the U.S. Soccer Discord. So we're going to put that description in there as well. There's way more people in that one than the (laughs) FIFA America one. So if you guys do want to talk about USMNT really 24-7, 24-7, that is the Discord to join. Let's talk about some of the fan questions that came in. So Tobes Laroni, thank you for this question. You are a longtime viewer of FIFA America. He asked, there are a few of the best world football prospects that bloomed late. So people that weren't necessarily hyped early on in their career, someone like Lewandowski or Jack Grealish come to mind. Is there anyone in the U.S. pool that you think can make a name for themselves as a real contributor after the age of 24. And as you guys are thinking about that, I'm glad we talked about Matt Miazga because as I was reading through that, that's really the name that came to mind for me. I mean, why are we losing hope on this person that came through the Red Bull New York Academy, played a few years for that team with Jesse Marsh at the helm, got sold to Chelsea for $5 million and has been in the lone army he like, I still think there's something there. And then thinking about when players actually develop at certain positions, 
usually center backs and goalkeepers do develop a bit later in life and enter their prime later in life. So for me, the answer to that question was Miazga. Yeah, I think so I'm going to stick with that. Point. I'm going to stick on the same the train time. here and go Cameron Carter-Vickers, I think is, you know, he's got all the physical tools. He's finally in a position where his club situation is stable and he's got a chance to really make a name for himself. So I think that that's another name that could really show out and center backs do develop later. If you want a third one, Ethan Horvath, you know, I'm still not ready to give up on him. He's if he ever finds the club situation, he's going to ball. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's crazy to think that CCV is still what, like 22 though. He, he's still a young he's guy. Like he's 23. Big, he just seems AC is 23. <laughs> 23 now. Okay. Yeah. But so crazy. It just seems like he's been on the roster as a prospect for so long. Um, he's that, 24 actually. You know, I just checked. Ah. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, yeah. He just, he seems like he's been around for so long. So I think that's a great shout, Tom. Uh, another player too, that from past like U20 world cups and stuff that really impressed for me uh, is Eric Palmer Brown. I think he's a player that's never found kind of the right club situation. Uh, again, he's one of the, I, that's why I, I get concerned when we have some of our better prospects going to massive clubs like Manchester City, you know, I just, it, or Chelsea, when you end up in a lone army, you just can never really get your feet full. And everything that I ever saw out of EPB early on told me that he was going to be a high prospect. And I think one of the other ones that we could sprinkle in as well, unfortunately with the recent injury, he was just starting to come onto form was Eric Williamson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, yeah. he kind of came out of nowhere with his age. Yeah. Anyway, he wasn't even mm-hmm. like a prospect at the time where you would normally think about prospects. Yeah. Manny, does anyone come to mind for you? This is going to probably be, um, what's the word that I'm wanna, what I want to use? Uh, controversial. Well, not even controversial, maybe <laughs> contrarian, but Christian Kappas. Ooh, that's a good shout. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know what it is about him, but like, I feel like he's one of those guys that like, I think he's just going to make a quiet, a quiet, uh, ascend. Um, he's just one of those guys that's just like, it's not all together right now, but you see the, you can see at times where the light bulb is, is going off with him and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look spectacular now because he's playing in, in Denmark, but Give it a few years. He's gonna he's gonna probably be in the top five league. Give it a few years, but that's one guy. And then also, um, possibly Alex Mendez. Like he's he, he I think he's finding his stride now. Um, he was playing at right wing for uh, his Portuguese club, but I think now that he's kind of understanding what it takes to um, to play in midfield now, um, he's tracking back. He's he he's getting into. Um, he's getting into some, some dog fights in midfield. He, you know, and so I think he's understanding that. And so I don't know where he goes from here, but I do think it's still not too late for him to, to get it because when he has the ball at, at his feet, that left foot is probably one of the best in the pool. So it's magic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, guys. So if you want to ask us any questions for the next episode, make sure to join the Discord. And we all four of us are there and active talking USMNT soccer. All right, guys. So we made it through the episode, went through the transfer tracker performances, January conditioning camp and fan questions. I'm going to start with Tom here. What's the last word from you, Tom? Last word for me is, you know, it's been a great winter break. It's been good to sort of get some time, rest and relaxation. I'm ready to sort of buckle down again, get started um, with the hard work that comes from, you know, the last semester of grad school. So I'm excited that I've had this time to sort of, you know, be really locked into the U.S. community and, you know, work on the podcast for a while. But I'm also excited to get back to it and really get on that grind for the next year. Um, Exciting things come in in that regard. Ryan, how about you? Uh, two things. One, uh, for the listener question, too, just another name that came to mind, CJ Dos Santos as a goalie. Keep your eye out. He's been at Benfica and just kind of <laughs> flying under the radar, but I love him as a prospect. Goalies, you know, kind of do tend to come on late. Um, and then if you've got some free time or you want to see some amazing soccer, I touched on it in the beginning. Do yourself a favor. Watch African Cup of Nations this week. 
it's always a super exciting tournament. And I think, you know, if you are new to becoming a football fan and I've really enjoyed what you've seen with the USMNT, if you want to see some quality, like really high paced soccer, that's really open and hopefully you see some amazing goals, do yourself a favor. It's on BN sports in the United States and uh, yeah, be sure to check out African cup of nations. Manny last word. The word of the day is relax. Some, <laughs> some of y'all, some of y'all on social media do the most. It's not that serious. Relax. For real. <laughs> Amazing. No, that's that's, that's, that's <laughs> great. I, I don't even need to speak now. Um, <laughs> guys, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps the podcast grow. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you are subscribed to the channel for more USMNT content. And we will be back here next week for the FIFA America podcast. Hopefully we'll be talking about our projected USMNT World Cup qualifying roster. We'll see what happens next week. Until then, have a great one. We'll see you then. And relax.